depending on whether we're still here <laughs> after the second. So I've got a file, and that file is a place where I gather the things that I'm thinking about when I'm driving around in my car or when I'm exercising in the morning and when I'm holding you before God in prayer or when I'm thinking about you all or doing my own spiritual reading. Oftentimes when I'm having a conversation with someone over coffee from our community, I have these, this stuff pop in my head and I think to myself, hey, that would be helpful for our community or that would help us grow or that would help us see this ancient truth through a different light. So I grab my voice recorder and I record it and then I transfer it into my file. And so I've got this file, and it's full of all kinds of stuff. And the last thing that went in is the first one that's coming out. (laughs) It just went in a little while ago, and now I'm going to that file to talk about this because this is going to be relevant to us in the very near future. So I thought, we don't have much lead time, so I want to give you some context for thinking about another thing that we are going to, as a community, need to do in the next little bit. And so I want us to have some understanding of it before it happens. And so to do that, we're going to talk about three words that you will have no reason in your life ever to use. You ready for the first one? It's sacerdotal. Go ahead, say it out loud. Sacerdotal. Yeah. You're never going to need to say that word ever again. It comes from two Latin roots. The first is sacred, and the second root is for to give. Sacerdotal. To give the gift of the sacred, or to turn the language around, to make the sacred a gift that we give one to another. So while it's not a word that we use very much, you can see that's kind of a good word. To give the gift of the sacred. That's kind of a beautiful term. So, we've rehearsed this truth many times here in our community, that you and I are carriers of the divine life. You have in you and I have in me the indwelling spirit of God. We're animated by the very breath of God. We've talked about it this way before. We are made of stardust, you and I. We're made of atoms and molecules and cells and tissues, and we are made out of the elements of the earth, which are in turn elements that have been spit out of dying stars. So we are, you and me, made out of stardust. But in the spiritual life, while we acknowledge our stardustiness, while we acknowledge that we are made of the same stuff that the animals are made of, and we share the same basic equipment that they they do, here's another one of those instances where we have a yes and construct entering into the spiritual life. Yes, we are made of stardust, and. And we are also made out of God dust. We are carriers of the divine life. We are carriers of the divine breath. So early on in the lesson that I just finished, you know, some seven or eight weeks ago, I read that quote from the Bishop Desmond Tutu, uh, Archbishop of uh, South Africa. He was speaking to people oppressed under apartheid, speaking to people who had been devalued and diminished and debased by a toxic system of injustice, a toxic system of hatred. And each Sunday he would repeat this refrain again and again and again. When someone asks you who you are, you tell them that you are a carrier of God, that you are a carrier of God, and that is your deepest and truest identity. We are chemicals. Yes, that's true. We are a body. Yes, that is true. We are earth dust. We are stardust. We live and move and have our being in a body. And we live and move and have our being in a body. And Paul taught us in a sermon he gave in Acts, we also 
live and move and have our being in God because we are carriers of God, animated by the very life of God, are made human by the breath of God that is put into us, which means that you have in you and I have in me the very Spirit of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God, which means that even if you get anxious, you still have peace within you because peace is part of the equipment that comes with the indwelling Spirit of God. Now, sure, that peace can feel elusive. Sometimes it can be really hard to access, but you have it in you because you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. You are also God dust. So the spiritual journey is the process by which we get beyond our earthen selves. While we, this, it is the process by which we transcend our made-of-dirt selves. We rise above our stardust selves which means the spiritual journey is about rising above things like anxiety, things that are part of the lesser self. It's about accessing interior peace that comes from the divine center. Because we are carriers of God, that means that we carry what Jesus called a peace within us that passes understanding. So that sacred is in you which makes that hardly ever used word, sacerdotal, really important. Because you have a gift to give. You have a sacred gift to give, born of the Spirit of God that is within you. And I need you to make that gift of the sacred in you to me. I need to be in a community of people who give the gift of the sacred that is in them to me and to one another. And in turn, I need to be in a community of people who are asking me to give the gift of the sacred that is within me. That is part of what it means to be in this spiritual life, in spiritual community, on this spiritual journey. We are carriers of the sacred, carriers of the Holy Spirit. Now again, we lose sight of this all the time, but that's why we come to church on a regular basis. That's why we work the circle. That's why we do the practices to be on the journey of awakening to the sacred that is within us. We all have it, a divine reality that is bigger than we can contain. And we do what we talk about on a regular basis. We desire and we pay attention. We desire and we pay attention. We follow the two-step dance of the spiritual life. And we awaken to the sacred that is within us. We get glimpses of the deeper life reality that is within us. There is an inner whisper or a gently blowing breeze. We capture a stolen glimpse. All ways that we try and speak about this unspeakable life of living with the uncontainable divine within us. So we catch glimpses and snippets of it. We have moments in which we access transcendent wisdom. We have moments in which we access deep and divine peace and we capture the deep joy and the deep kindness and the goodness and the uninterrupted steadfastness that is part of the fruit of the Spirit within us. We have these moments in which we access the sacred and the sacerdotal means that we make a gift of those experiences that we give one to another. And that's what makes spiritual community, spiritual community. You giving me the gift of the sacred that is in you and me doing the same in return, sacerdotal. Again, you never have to say that word again, but I hope it becomes a dynamic that we live. Here's another religious jargon word that uh, needs some unpacking, and that is the word consecrate. 
It's a word that tends to show up whenever the word sacerdotal shows up. They kind of travel in tandem because they're related to one another. So again, it's not a word that we use very often. You might have a general idea that it's a religious word, or you might know that the ground at Arlington Seminary, uh, Cemetery or the ground at Gettysburg is consecrated ground. But for the most part, it's not a word that we use. But it, too, is related to the Latin root for sacred. You can hear it in the middle of the consecrate. But it starts with the root con, which means with or together with. So together with the sacred is what consecrate means. In usage, it means that we put something together with the sacred. We devote a thing to a sacred purpose. So we might consecrate some ground, put it with a sacred purpose. We join a thing to the sacred, to the holy. So when we walk on that ground that has been concentrated, we go into high alert and we become watchful for the whispers and the movements of God within. We become watchful of divine love. We became alert to the divine promise that death is not the final word. We get focused on love for those that have died, focused on the deep spiritual sense that life transcends death. We use this ground that has been joined with a sacred purpose to alert us to these sacred themes within our souls. Or we might consecrate, we might put together with sacred purpose some water. It's just water, but we're going to use it for a spiritual purpose. We're going to use it to baptize our babies or we're going to use it to baptize our grown-ups, depending on which tradition you come from. The water will serve the purpose of awakening us to divine promise, awakening us to divine presence, the presence of healing, the presence of belonging, the presence of forgiveness and grace. We join the water with the sacred purpose of awakening us to these divine themes. So we consecrate the water or the bread or the ground. We join the thing to the sacred purpose we consecrate. Okay, sacerdotal, giving the gift of the sacred one to another, consecrate, to join the sacred with the thing for a holy purpose. And one last word, then I'll tell you why we're talking about these words. Ordain. The last word, ordain, is to consecrate a person. We join together a thing with a sacred purpose, only in this instance, the thing is a person. Here's how it works. The community of faith spots a person in the community and sees how they carry a gift in them. And that gift helps the community experience the spiritual life, the divine life, the sacred life. So maybe they teach or maybe they organize or maybe they pray for us or maybe they are kind, maybe they are compassionate. A gift that then evokes the community community to say, hey, we see what you're doing there. When you do this thing, it helps us. We awaken more to divine love or we awaken more to divine truth or compassion. We find our way better forward when you are here, when you are doing that thing that you do. We experience the life of God, the life of spiritual community better when you use your gift. So we want to acknowledge that you, the thing, are joined to the purpose that is sacred. And we want to put together those things and consecrate them. So ordaining is consecrating a person. Now, throughout our history, it's been a thing that we Christians have done. 
We have a rich and diverse history, which means that there are scores of different ways in which communities have done this, joined a purpose, a person to a sacred purpose. There's usually some kind of a ceremony in which the community says to the person, hey, we recognize the gift that you bring. It helps us find the sacred. So when you, you give your gift, so forth, there's a ceremony involved. And so we do that ceremony to acknowledge the gift. We want the person to feel confirmed in the trust that we have of them, and we want to feel confirmed in the gift that the person brings to the community. So those are the words. Sacerdotal giving one another the gift of the sacred, consecrate to join together a thing and a sacred purpose, and ordain to consecrate a person to a sacred purpose. So in a moment, I'll tell you why we're talking about this this week. But I hope you see before we even get there, by looking at the meaning of these words, that even though they are very religious-sounding words, they describe a very normalized part of everyday spiritual community. These words don't just apply to the reverend guy who stands up front on Sundays. They aren't reserved for a special class of religious leadership. They are all part of all of us functioning together. We are all sacerdotal. So when Sarah loves our teachers, and then our teachers in turn love our children, that's sacerdotal going on right here in normal family spiritual life. When Julie loves our volunteers, and then our volunteers turn around and bring their gifts to the community, or when we form spiritual friendships, and in so doing, we awaken one another to the movement of God in our lives. When we put up on the, the wall each Sunday, this is who serves us, and this is what they do. And that's sacerdotal. That's consecration. That's ordination going on right here in everyday, normal kinds of spiritual things going on. And so we are all participants in the spiritual community in these three words, because each of us is a carrier of God. Each of us has a gift to give. Each of us has the gift of life and love and truth of the Holy Spirit that is within us. And, these, and the gifts that we can give to help one another along are part of us doing sacerdotal. So, as you know, we do a lot of rethinking here in our community. So the word rethinking is in the title of the book that I wrote. It works itself into a lot of our lessons. We're always rethinking this because rethinking is the order of the day in a generation in which the church has grown as ill as the church has grown in the last few generations. Now, the fact that the church has grown so ill is nothing to be alarmed about. That is something that happens a lot in history. It is a cycle. It is like a boom and bust cycle that we go through, where we explode in truth and life and goodness and spiritual vitality, and it just everything is awakened to us. And then some time goes by, and we begin to calcify and we begin to lose our way. We get encrusted in beliefs from a few generations ago that have been slightly misinterpreted, and then we lose our way, and our story doesn't serve us well at all. It is our way to lose our way. We've seen that many times. But it is also our way to find our way once we've lost it. That's also part of our heritage. And that's what's happening in our time. The church is finding its way again right now. But to find its way back, we have to look honestly at how we lost our way. And so that's why that pattern shows up again and again. Here's the pattern. You see that, this pattern in a lot of our lessons. 
It goes like this. Here's a religious idea that you have probably rejected. Here is a religious uh, practice that you have probably rejected. Maybe it's the prayer, maybe it's afterlife, maybe it's God, some other thing. Now, two things about that, the lesson will go. First, here is the powerful idea that was present in that idea or in that practice when it first began. And second, here's how that idea got encrusted and corrupted through time. Here's why it happened. Here's how it happened. Here's what it does. And then the third part is usually, let's go back and try and rediscover, rediscover the vitality that was present at the beginning. You have seen that pattern in our lessons lots and lots and lots and lots of times. And the ideas behind sacerdotal and consecration and ordination, these are no exception. They've also gotten encrusted through the centuries. One of the basic ways that we have deviated from the original vitality is an instinct that has crept into the church that there are two tiers of Christians. There is the clergy and there is everybody else. That's been a very toxic idea. There is a word in Greek called, well, the Greek word is kleroo. Klesis is one of the uh, iterations of that word, and that's where we get the word clergy, and it means the called ones. And so in our idea, we've got people who have been called, and they are people like me, and they are not people like you, plebes. (laughs) It's the special class that stands up here. We are the called ones. You are doing lucky if God will just love you. We're the special ones. (laughs) So there is the clergy, and then there's another general catch-all word for everybody else called laos, which means the laity. There is the clergy, and then there are the people. Well, that is a gross misinterpretation of both of those words. We are all the called ones, and we are all the people of God. The set-apart ones, that's all of us. The set-apart for a sacred purpose ones, the consecrated ones, that is all of us. The sacerdotal functioning ones, the ones who have the sacred within them and have a gift to give, that is all of us. There is no such thing as the consecrated, ordained ones and everybody else. But that idea has gotten so entrenched over the centuries since the Roman Empire took over the church and brought their basic idea of governance to bear on the church We brought the idea that just as there is a Caesar, there is an emperor in the kingdom, there's also an emperor in the church, and that's the pope. And underneath that, there are viceroys, and underneath that, there are a whole structure of people. And at some point, we draw a line, and we say, above that line, called. Above that line, below that line, not called. Ordained, not ordained. Consecrated, not consecrated. And that was a Roman Empire idea. That's certainly not a Christian idea. Ordination and consecration and sacerdotal apply to all of us. However, the idea has so crept into the church that it's begun to bleed over into the culture. And so now, as an ordained minister living in the state of North Carolina, I can perform a wedding ceremony, and you can't. There are a few other things, but that's kind of the one that counts. Ordination and consecration and sacerdotal have come through the years to apply to me but not to apply to you, to apply to the clergy, but not to everybody else. And that is not what our ancient texts say. That's not even what the words mean. So I'm doing this lesson today to provide some context for a day that is coming soon before us. 
It will become very relevant to us because it appears that my paper will be rescinded. I have a piece of paper that says, actually I had the piece of paper, I don't even know where it is, but I, I did it one time, have a piece of paper that said, I am now in that tier above, I'm one of the ordained ones. And so, again, you missed, if you haven't been here for a few weeks, you might have missed all the stuff that's going on, but we're coming to the place where that ministerial ordination that I received 25 years ago might be revoked. So, imagining that the church is going to opt to leave Foursquare and develop our own church, Uh, Scott has gone and edited some bylaws from another church that went through that. Those bylaws are now serving as the bylaws for our new nonprofit. And one of the things that it says is that we are going to make a shift in the future, no matter how it goes, where we're going to shift from the Episcopal form of church governance to the congregational form of church governance. What that means is we're going to shift from a system in which the bishop does the ordaining of the priest to the congregational form of governments in which the people do the ordaining of one another. That's the shift that we're going to go through. And so, because our church blindness has crept into the way the state perceives us, we're also going to need to get me a new piece of paper. (laughs) Because somebody's going to want to be married. I probably marry folks about once a month. And so, where are we going to go to do that? I'm going to go to you. I'm not going to go to a bishop. I'm going to go to you, and I'm going to ask you to recognize the sacred in me and to acknowledge that, and in the process, give me a piece of paper so I can do weddings. So, I wanted to do this context-setting lesson because I don't want, when we do that, for two-tiered thinking to affect what we're doing. We've got to jump through a hoop to get a piece of paper so that we could do the things and sign the marriage licenses. But when we're doing that, we certainly want to buy into that construct. We don't want to buy into that belief system, even though we've got to do that in order to make things work because of this historical moment where we are. To satisfy the state, we're going to need that piece of paper. But when we call that piece of paper an ordination, it will imply everything that has gone wrong in the corruption of a very powerful truth. So when we do that, we're going to need to be aware of the truth that we could so easily miss. We are all, each one of us, sacerdotal. We are all, each one of us, consecrated. We are all, each one of us, ordained. Again, every time we get together for lunch, every time we talk about our souls, every time we tell the stories of our lives, every time we practice the prayer of self-awareness and self-disclosure that we just talked about in this last lesson, we join in soul talk in our Enneagram groups. That's when we, all of us, are being sacerdotal and consecrated and ordained. Each one of us a carrier of the divine. Each one of us joined to a sacred purpose. Organized religion and institutional religious rituals have left a bad taste in many people's mouths. But my hope in this lesson is to give us a spiritual and communal context to understand what those rituals were about, to understand what they meant, to understand why we practice this. So whenever and however we do this simple ordination ritual, you will have now a broader historical and spiritual context. We'll do it for the piece of paper, but when we do, we could just as well have been doing it for everybody else. 
Everybody could be ordained. Everyone could have an ordination certificate in our community. Each one of us are called sacerdotal. So, <clears throat> that's what I thought we should do. <laughs> I thought this would be a good day for us to ordain everybody. So here's how it's going to go. I'm going to ordain you, and then someday in the future you're going to ordain me. So for our closing prayer this morning, I want you to listen to a paraphrase of the ordination uh, charge that was given to me 25 years ago. And that means what we've said today is that what was given to me 25 years ago applies to you. It applies to every one of us. And at the end, I will say, if you're willing to accept this charge, then please signify by saying, I do. At that point, you will say, I do, and you will be ordained. You're going to have to take it up with North Carolina whether you can perform a wedding ceremony or not. <laughs> so this is a paraphrase of the ordination charge given to me 25 years ago. We, the community of faith, acknowledging the call of God upon your life, ordain you to a life of service. And we charge you to use your gifts to love people, those in your own community and all of God's people, wherever you encounter them, without regard to race, creed, gender, or lifestyle. And we further charge you to be studious, to learn the ancient wisdom of our texts, to pursue divine wisdom from history, by the study of the natural world, and in your relationship with others. And we charge you to quietness, to regular habits of stillness and prayer and reflection. And we charge you to a life of virtue, to uphold the integrity of the spiritual community by holding to the highest standards of moral conduct. And if you accept this charge, Please signify by saying, I do. And so, Spirit of God, may it be so among us. May it be so in our lives. May it be so in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.